Hello, listener. Welcome back to the second episode with our new players for Iroh and Fox. Last time, they got a mysterious note telling them to find Zephyr for information on the missing people. After some social misadventures at the local anarchist bookstore slash bar, we closed on Brendan suggesting that Iroh visit a library, and this time we'll pick up right after that with us putting a little bit of a spin on that idea. Enjoy the episode. So let me pitch you, or we can I yeah. mean, we can go with that. So something it. that I have um, that matches up extremely well with that uh-huh. was that one of the things, and this is not like super fleshed out yet, uh, so we can figure it out together. One of the things that I had figured was that like in this city, there's like one particular newspaper that's extremely respectable and is like sort of the New York Times of Serendipity City. And then there's one particular newspaper that is really not and is like kind of tabloid, kind of trashy, but inexplicably one of the things that makes them considered a tabloid is that like they sometimes print things about the the magical oh, creatures. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I'm, what my thinking is maybe you know like one of the reporters who works at this like trashy tabloid 100%. National Enquirer. Yeah. yeah. And they like are constantly trying to keep an ear to the ground for magical stuff. Absolutely. So that sounds like a hit the streets. So do you have a name in mind for this person? This is Reese Falcone, a reporter at large, <laughs> investigator of all things magical. All right. I uh, imagine that him and Iroh like go out for drinks on a regular basis. Yes. But Reese <laughs> does all the drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, keeps buying him drinks and it's like, so tell me more. Yeah, tell basically. More. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> All right. So you're going to um, roll with their faction, which would be mortality. So you're going to roll 2d6 plus that. And yeah. then we will play out that scene based on what you roll. Here we go. Oh, 13. Damn, son. 13 uh, is a very good number. Yeah. So for those of you listening at home. So um, you guys peace out um, from the bar. I guess you, I was going to ask if you tipped the bartender, um, but you didn't actually buy anything <laughs> and you already paid, you paid him for information and neither of you got anything. You just awkwardly hovered around. <laughs> I them. do, however, buy a couple of things on the way th- out through the anarchist bookstore. Yes. Tell me, tell me what you buy, please. I buy a history of um, dwarven fashion and a worn but uh, like earmarked and like previously highlighted copy of a play that is like regular it's like the sort of thing that kids in the city have to read when they're 12 and so are sick of by the time they're 13 but having grown up in in the country um uh iroh has only ever heard of it and so he's like absolutely fascinated and i think he finally finds like a student copy of it nice and picks it up and it is called the War of the Purple Dragon. Oh, all right. Yep. Uh, cool. There you go. That's uh, the name of the play. Right. So you um, you get this stuff and you take it back up to the cashier, who is the same person that you had been talking to before, and um, hand it to them. And they like sort of, you know, make change or whatever. And then they like glance up and see that it's you. And they're like, yeah, uh, have a nice day with your um, rutabagas. And then they go back to reading whatever they're reading. <laughs> was uh, it rutabagas or yeah. was it something else? All right. I was like, was it rutabagas or radishes? Uh, it was rutabagas. Right. Yeah. Th- so, thank you. I'll, I'll see you next time. Yeah. And they like, they're like, yep. Ha, have a nice day. Uh, Does Iroh get sarcasm? Cause I get the vibe from him that he would be like genuinely like, thank you. <laughs> I think, I think Iroh, um, 
gets it, but his like manners like dictate that he like not like take offense to it or anything like that. He just mm-hmm. keeps rolling with it. <laughs> right. He just bottles it up and stores it away. <laughs> yes, that's yeah, I can see that. So you leave this place and you head over to I imagine you who's driving? Is I is it Fox probably? I mean Iro Iroh has a truck. I think that Fox just based on what I know of Fox, would do whatever it takes not to have to get into Iroh's truck. Yeah. It is dilapidated with a D. <laughs> It'll get the job done, but um, it's not going to be uh, rolling up to any red carpets anytime soon. Yeah, so Fox is driving uh, in a very nice car. <laughs> yes, tell me what the car looks like. It's like the 1920s version of a Tesla. Oh, nice. Yes. Very fancy. So it's like a sports car, but yeah. yeah. Cool. Nice. Ira feels like vaguely guilty just being in the passenger seat. He's trying very hard not to touch anything, right. so he doesn't smudge anything. It's when you like it's that it's that second when you walk into somebody's home and you're immediately like, oh no, oh. I'm going to be very uncomfortable for the next two hours. I just learned something about Mark. <laughs> right. So you you guys get in the car, you drive. You're going to have to go like all the way across the river, um, all the way across town. I believe. Let's see. I think that. Since this place is not a nice place, the offices aren't like super nice because they're, you know, this is not like a super nice, reputable newspaper. Um, most of the time they're like, uh, they're barely staying, they're barely staying afloat. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I think as we're pulling up to like the newspaper, Iroh is like checking the ammunition and his guns. <laughs> I'm like, all right, this, uh, this, this time you go ahead and let me do the talking. <laughs> <laughs> How does Fox react to this? <laughs> okay. <laughs> You pull up, it's like on a street, um, it's towards the, it's closer to the river. Um, so the way that it's, uh, the way that the city is like above the river is where most of the like middle class and up, um, people live and normal people quote unquote live. Uh, and then like the further, the closer to the river it is like basically the seedier of a neighborhood it is. So this is like not right up on the river, but like not very far back either. It's definitely towards the Southern end of like town. And it's like a row of streets that are sort of like mixed use um, offices and residential buildings. And it's like a, it's one of those, um, I don't know if there's a word for the style of building that I want, but it's like a very square building. And uh, it has like almost floor to ceiling, but not quite windows, which doesn't make any sense because like all you can see through the windows are just people at like extremely dirty desks. Like, you walk into these offices. Do you, have a, do you have a name in mind for this newspaper? Should we come up with a name? This or? newspaper is called the, the Citizens Report. All right, the Citizen. So it's I think a, that's a good tabloidy name. Yeah, yeah. It, because it sounds like it's serious. But it's, it sounds like they're taking themselves very seriously. Yes, like the National Enquirer. Exactly. There exactly. You go. Yeah. So there's like a sign on the door, and it's one of those doors that like has the like those old timey doors with like the glass pane um, that's completely unnecessary. And there's a sign on the door that says the Citizens Report, but like the T is starting to fall off and the sign is slightly askew and you open it and you walk in and um, I, I think again Iroh is like almost treating this like a combat operation where he's like <laughs> like he's not like not weapons drawn but he's trying to be very like follow my lead stay quiet stay and Fox low just like the fuck did I get myself into <laughs> <laughs> opens the, like man I thought the anarchist bar was gonna be scary <laughs> opens the door very slowly waits to see if anything flies out before he 
marches in. Yeah. So Try not to draw too much of attention to each other. So, um, like, the way that I imagine this writer's room, and I'm open to suggestions sure, here sure. since we're collaborating on this one, but um, the way I imagine this writer's room is that there's, like, a row, like, probably six or seven desks, um, sort of, like, roughly arranged in a row. Everybody's desks are very messy. Um, there are a couple of people. It's, like, 1 or 2 p.m. now. There are a couple of people who are very clearly drinking on the job. Like, oh, 100%. As they're, as they're working, like as they're typing away on typewriters, um, there are some people who are just like openly pouring flasks into whatever they're drinking and or just uh, one or two people who are straight up drinking from the flasks. So there's probably like I'm thinking like maybe five to ten people in this front room. Mm. And I'm thinking that um, Reese, right? Yes. Okay. Reese Falcone. Is there like someone in the corner with an entire bottle of vodka? (laughs) (laughs) There's somebody in the corner with an entire bottle of vodka who looks extremely upset for like no apparent reason. And they're just like (laughs) staring at this paper and like, (laughs) and drinking this cheap vodka. There's a fire in the corner. (laughs) I told you. (laughs) It's like in a barrel. There's people standing around it. Like, so I imagine that since um, Reese is like the head magical and paranormal affairs reporter or something that he probably has like what's technically an office like at a normal newspaper. This would this would be like a a position that like you would have like a nice office, but instead it's like you there's a very there's it's one a- of the it's one of those ones where like there's windows that reach from like waist up. Except those are completely broken out. Yeah. <laughs> and really, it's just become like almost a fortress that he uses both like physically and um, both both with the sword and with the pen, defending it against other reporters that really want it to the point of like moving his stuff out when he goes home for the night and taking it over. That kind of thing. It's a very, very like rowdy bunch that works at this place. Yes. So you walk down like a hallway. I'm imagining like a very dirty hallway mm-hmm. with like. Of like a, a line of like flickering light bulbs, yep. um, stepping over trip wires, <laughs> <laughs> and you uh, walk into this room, and Reese is there behind. Like, so how do you imagine his office looking? Like, I definitely, <clears throat> from what you're describing me, I'm definitely imagining somebody who like might possibly be on some kind of uppers. You can't tell if they're on uppers or if they're just like super, super, super paranoid. Hmm. Um, a little twitchy, like yeah. keeps looking out the window. Um, it, what do you? What does Reese's office look Can like? Can I just say really quick? Fox is uh, behind Iro, like holding on to the back of his overalls. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Like half crat crouched down. Yeah, I love this picture of like yeah, Iroh like creeping down the hallway and he knows where like he knows he probably doesn't know where the traps are because I imagine they move. Yeah, right. Yeah. But he knows to look for them. And then like this smaller, younger, like extremely well dressed person, like <laughs> just just grabbing on to the back of the overalls. Yeah. So I, I imagine this is like half writing room, half like trophy hall where there's lots and lots of stories. Most of them, you know, the sort of thing that a regular newspaper reader would look at and be like, oh yeah, Bat Boy's 100th birthday. Way to go. You really got the scoop on that one. (laughs) But it has a place of prominence up on the wall. There's lots of that. There's lots of big stacks of old papers, uh, both like the print and the uh, typed up uh, copy, that kind of thing. Overflowing cabinets, just tons and tons of stuff. But in addition to like multiple typewriters and uh, organizational files and stuff like that strewn around, there's also like Baseball bats with wire wrapped around them, um, (laughs) 
umbrellas, hockey sticks, all manner of things that have just been converted into makeshift weapons. I also imagine that there's probably like, I'm not even, I'm not sure if it's a wall or if it's like just a cabinet that's covered with it, but somewhere in this room, I imagine that there's like a weird display of like ephemera, like some clearly misshapen skulls from something that don't look like a normal creature, like Absolutely, some 100%. feathers, something that might be a magical <clears throat> talisman, but might also just be like trash from a flea market. Absolutely. And there's a uh, small, uh, uh, like five dollar bottles of liquor hidden in every single <laughs> nook and cranny. Like there's, t- he's constantly like checking the corners, and then sliding a false panel out of the way and grabbing something out, discovering it's empty, searching through a, a rubbish bin, um, finding you know a half uh, half a draft left or something like that. That kind of thing. Right. So Reese think- is really wired. <laughs> he's very paranoid, but he's gonna do his job. Damn it. So you, so you walk in the room as he's, as he's like rummaging around looking for a bottle. So like all you can see, um, is like behind one of these stacks of paper, you can see someone like on their hands and knees, um, like trying to lift up a floorboard to see what's underneath it. And he's sort of muttering to himself like, no, I swear, I swear I put the, the, what, wait, who, what? And he like jumped (laughs) What, oh, 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 why didn't you, why didn't you knock? Why didn't you knock? You know, I don't like it. You know, I don't like it. You I, know, assu- I don't like being. I assumed you'd throw something. Well, m- fair point. All right, all right. But surprising right. me isn't any better. What, do you, what are you looking for, Reese? Uh, I had this really choice bottle of gin and I can't find it now. And I'm really is upset. It, is it the one that's laying down on top of your desk? And he stands up and he looks and he's like, oh, well, I'll be damned. And he takes it and he like pops it and uh, just it takes like three really solid swigs from it straight away and then puts it down and he's like hey hey who's who's your friend who's who's this who's this you know i don't like it when you take new people without warning me well i'm sorry for that this is fox fox this is reese falcone head of the paranormal reporting division here at the citizens report nice to meet you i think nice to meet you too i think and he I think he has glasses. Like I just did like a weird, like <laughs> passive aggressive glasses adjustment. And I think that he definitely just did that as well. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> so he like sits down in his chair, mm-hmm. which is definitely almost falling apart and makes a very loud screech as he does. So, and like tries to, he tries to lean back and kick his feet up on the table and then like almost falls backwards because the chair is in such a state of disrepair. And then quickly he thinks better of it and he leans forward and he's like, so what do, what do you guys, what do you want? What are you looking for? We're chasing down this lead to do with uh, the Silver Oak Fay. I was wondering if maybe you could point us in the direction. He narrows his eyes and he says, "Well, uh, yeah, I might have, I might have, I might have heard some things about them. Why? Why are you looking for them? Do you, are you sure you are you sure you want to get involved in the Fay man? The Fay are they're bad. They're bad business. They they seem to have decided to involve themselves with us. We had some uh, some strange correspondence dropped off at our little joint." telling us to get in touch with some uh, folk name of Zephyr. And uh, honestly, I just want to put it to rest so that they don't give us too much trouble in the future. He nods and he says, yeah, that's that's probably smart. They are. They're, they're trouble. And he like... What, uh, like what, what kind of trouble are we talking about here? What, what are we getting into? Well, so... All the fair trouble. You feel me? I mean, they're all... Uh, that's, uh, that's kind of a problematic viewpoint, Reese. And he sighs and he goes... <sighs> Right. You're right. I shouldn't be like that. But they okay, well let's just say they're different. They they got they got different points of view and they don't necessarily like it when humans get entangled is what I mean. All right. Maybe all right. a more three dimensional point of view. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so he, uh, but I, he just, said, I just don't want the gin to get the better of you in front of my friend here, Reese. And he like looks at Fox for a second and then like takes another big <laughs> drink. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Fox is like barely paying attention. He's just like <laughs> observing all of the like makeshift weapons around. Like, I think he, uh, uh, Iro like catches you like reaching towards a skull and Iroh just silently without looking at him grabs his hand just very slowly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Very good. I love it. So Reese thinks again and he says, well, so, okay, so here's the, here's, so the Fae in general can be trouble. Like I said, Mm -hmm. they are not inherently, they are not an inherently bad people, but they don't like humans getting mixed up in their stuff as a general rule of thumb. Mm -hmm. The Silver Oak Fae are weird in that you know the 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 fake groups in general are really concerned with with their with their politics and with like the city's politics they like seeing how you know the the gears of people and society and the city how the machinations of the city and people run they're fascinated by all of that the silver oak group on the other hand they're like a little bit more removed they're more um insular they're more concerned not that they are completely unconcerned with everyone but they seem to take sort of like the long view. They're less concerned with the day-to-day politicking and drama that the other groups of Fae tend to just eat up. Uh, and they're a little weird in that, like, as a rule of thumb, the 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 Fae in general don't tend to make, they don't tend to get along super well with, uh, with non-Fae groups unless there's something in it for them. Uh, Sounds like the kind of folks uh, more concerned with the harvest 10 years from now than next year. So I got it right. Yeah, I love all your your folksy metaphors. Thanks, uh, Reese. <laughs> so, something like that. Yeah, and so the Silver Oak group is insular, and they also they 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 t- take this whole big picture thing. And I think part of that, I've heard some some whispers of like uh, some kind of a religion that they've got. I don't know how much there is to that. Uh, they've got like I think they've got a whole religious aspect of their group, and you know the Fey have their own mythology and religions in general they all kind of do their own things but it's not usually part of like it, there's not usually a like you sign on with this group and you got to worship this guy kind of thing and i've heard whispers that the silver oak are like that also they get along really really well with and then he like stops and he like looks around and like walks over and makes sure that nobody's like with an earshot in the hallway and then he turns around and he goes they get along really well with the demons which is weird hmm and then he goes back and he drinks some more gin. Fox just kind of like side eyes him. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like this is less about Reese having a particular fear of the demons, although he probably does, because I imagine <laughs> like I imagine Reese is this character that is simultaneously fascinated and just really scared of everything. So, <laughs> so uh, it's less about him being terrified by the demons and more that like even at the citizens, um, the citizens report uh, talking about like demons out loud, like talking about, you know, demigods and demons is going to get you a little bit of like, excuse me, what? Whereas like something like vampires, they're like, oh, yeah, the vampires, you know, the werewolves, that kind of stuff. But demons are a little next level weird even for them so he has to make sure that nobody can hear him talking about the demons where can we find him um he thinks about it and he says well there's you know the caves the caves do you know the caves i do know the caves so there's an entrance to the caves that's by the grove and i'm told that they like to set up shop somewhere near that entrance he's like you know they they're picky about people knowing their exact 
locale. So I don't know. I sure. don't know where exactly they're at. I do know that I've heard rumors that at least some of them live near uh, near the caves, uh, the caves, the cave entrance, and the sacred grove. Got it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> and what is so like? Did you try and touch anything else after the, the skull, or have you been no. like? <laughs> Uh, you're just standing in the corner, like keep it, like yeah, I'm just awkwardly, looking like, around, making like, sure not to touch anything. <laughs> yeah, Reese, you've been immeasurably helpful. He goes, yeah, yeah, I try. You be careful. This, 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 this is some stuff you're getting mixed up in. Even for, even for you. Well, I'll tell you what. If uh, you don't see me in a couple of days, I'll just keep waiting. Okay. <laughs> and he like he he drinks. I think he drinks like, so I imagined like the bottle of gin was one of those personal size ones. And it was probably like three quarters full when he found it. And he just like straight up finishes it off and is like, okay, uh, good luck, buddy. And then starts like turns around and starts like before you leave, like turns around and is like rummaging through papers neurotically um, while stopping every now and then to look out the window to the outside and make sure that nobody's there. Said it. Let's go. (laughs) <laughs> what does fox think about all of this does it does fox have anything to say as the, as y'all are leaving at this point he's just going along with it <laughs> like you know this uh i i now understand why you took the lead here <laughs> you know it's um you know growing up in the country you come to understand uh you know the workings of a person but here in the city folks with their uh, breakneck pace and their, it's just uh, it's a whole nother uh, situation you know I mean, I wouldn't know, but... <laughs> well, nope, it was just well. Yeah. <laughs> Farm wisdom. That's uh, Iroh's jingle. Yeah. It 100% is. <laughs> Only it's serious. <laughs> Farm wisdom. That's not any more serious. It would be like a funeral dirge, but with farm wisdom over. No, no, no. I meant that he listens to that bit non-ironically. Oh, all right. He's like, oh, yeah, that's actually really useful for my goat upbringing. (laughs) Not my upbringing as a goat. I'm not a goat. (laughs) I mean, for the goats that I'm raising. We're learning so much about Brendan's personal secrets in this recording. (laughs) No, not me. I was being Iroh. I would, however, me, Brendan, love to have a goat. (laughs) Because they're amazing. Oh, but they're like, goats are like ferrets, but with hooves. They absolutely are. They get into everything. Yes. It's okay. Uh, okay. So I'm assuming you head straight to the grove? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So it's, um, I believe it's summertime right now. By this point, it's probably, I don't know, once we factor in for transport time. I'm going to say it's like three, four-ish in the afternoon. Does that sound about right? Sure. Um, you've been running all over town. Um, and it's a, it's a decent-sized town. I haven't actually figured out scale quite yet because that's surprisingly hard to do. But uh, it's a pretty good-sized town. And you've been... Oh, there's my pencil. Whoops. You've been running all over it. Um, so it's three or four in the afternoon. And you head to the Grove. Um, it's established at this point that there is at least one spot. So Grove is like here, here. The girl was like actually relatively close to where you're at. Um, it's been established that there are some places near the grove that are good for hiding your car. Um, do you think so? Do you think Fox has ever been to the grove? I imagine we know Iroh has because he like did a job for someone who works there. Do you think you've ever been there? Um, explain the grove. So it's a very, it's a very um, large park. Uh, park is like 
too strong of a word though, actually. So I have these friends who live in Malaysia right now and um, they live in an apartment building that is like right next to the jungle. Like there is just a like five square mile plot of jungle in the middle of this city that they live in. And that's kind of how I imagine the Grove, except there's probably like a little bit more lead up to it because it's on the, you know, it's, um, it's below the river. So it's not like horizontally below the river, but it's south of the river on the map. Is it Um, overgrown or is it deliberately grown that way? It's um, deliberately grown that way. So there are people like, well, it's a little column A, little column B. There are people um, who live there, people in the sense that like they're sentient. They are not usually human. Um, There are dryads. There are some um, dwarves and magic workers that live in the grove. Um, There's like a whole uh, set of dwarves that live there rather than live underground, Mm -hmm. which is somewhat unusual. Um, Tree dwarves. Watch out for those. Yeah. Oh, man. And they could have little like Ewok like tree houses. (laughs) so they yeah so there's like a bunch of people that live in the grove um some of them are human some of them are not most of them are not human there's dwarves there's dryads there's um like healers and people who work with the nature spirits of the grove um there's also like a bunch of non-corporeal nature spirits that live in the grove and it's like like i said like i don't have a solid sense of scale but it's an extremely large chunk of partially wild partially cultivated to look wild and keep people out land um think like lots of trees um there's probably a spring somewhere in there like it's not it's not really like a domestic park well uh fox has been in the city for 15 years so i feel like he's probably ended up there at some point uh, especially since he has to do things for his patron like things have probably brought him there before but uh it's not a place that he would frequent yeah i can't imagine that fox is big fan of like hiking through the woods no hiking through the haunted woods i mean in these shoes <laughs> <laughs> do you say that as you pull up or are you like oh no my nice shoes yeah <laughs> the guy with the 500 dollar slacks is gonna go into the 50 dollar forest come on it's <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay yeah so you pull up there's um there's a spot where you can sort of like hide your car. You can cover it with like, you know, a tree branch or tarp or something. If you want to disguise it, that's up to you. I don't know if you think that you keep, I don't know if you like keep stuff to hide your car in your car or like a tarp or something. Yeah. Yeah. I've got like a camouflage net. Yeah. I was like, I can't talk you're serious or not, but I actually love this idea. So I hope you're serious. I actually really like the idea of something that you sort of drape over it that almost like makes it look crummier so that people don't look at it and are like, oh, a nice car. I'm going to steal that immediately. Like this almost has like junk and stuff woven into it to like make it look less glamorous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like a, would it be possible to like attach a glamour to an item? Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I was about ready to say is maybe like some kind of tarp that's been like very lightly glamored. Um, That's something that you could probably have had Fex do like just to make the car like either explicitly look shitty or like one of those effects where people look at it and they're just like repulsed by it, like inexplicably. (laughs) So they don't want to steal it because like it just makes them feel gross to even look at it. Or even better, um, they like just sort of gloss over it because it's just like, oh, just another shitty car. Because almost, I would almost think that like, oh, it's grotesque is almost going to draw more attention to it. Well, you guys know what like a rat rod looks like? I don't. Oh, it's like um, kind of like taking two shitty cars or sometimes more than two and just kind of like piecing them together. Oh, making, like, cool. Yeah. So it's like kind of 
falling apart and rusted but looks kind of cool, that's what would okay, happen to cool. it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So you put on your magic um, cloak of glamouring uh, mm-hmm. over the car. Glamour yeah. tarp. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> words that I did not think I was going to say today. That's very good. <laughs> <laughs> you put on your magic glamour tarp and um, head into the woods. Uh, so really quick, I think Iroh has been here before and um, actually like really likes the idea of the grove. But just because of who Iroh is and because of who is at the grove... Iroh isn't necessarily welcome in the Grove, just generally. Yeah, I could see that. That makes yeah. sense. Especially especially because I imagine there's, um, the way that I was picturing this was like for at least some groups of the people that live in the Grove, mm-hmm. like it's almost the equivalent of like a temple, like they consider it like sacred right. ground. Yeah. So somebody coming in, even if they're like attempting to be respectful, somebody coming in and being like, oh, this is a very cool experiment you have going on here. Please tell me about how right. it works. Yeah. Might be kind of like, Excuse you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lucky for both of you, the entrance to the cave's entrance, yeah. Yes. Is, like, not super deep in the grove. Uh, It's, like, relatively on the outskirts. Good, because I'd imagine that Iroh would get tired of foxes complaining. (laughs) There'd be a lot of it. You're just like, oh, my shoes, my slacks. Can you hold those thorns? There's mud here. <laughs> how does Iro? How does farmer? I, farmer boy. There's Iroh? a whole lot more mud than there is of not mud in the world. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. I'm just saying, you might get more tired uh, whining than you would actually doing the walking. <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> go to the cave and then there's a whole new level of complaining because uh once the cave entrance is i'm imagining it's one of those things um again i'm i hope that i'm not contradicting anything that went up in the one shot uh but it's been a while since i did that and i haven't got a chance to re-listen to it yet so i'm imagining that the cave entrance um to right here looks kind of like a small nondescript cave i don't know if you guys have ever like seen one Yes. <laughs> Spelunked. I don't know if y'all are spelunkers. Um, I don't know why that accent was necessary either. <laughs> um, but like, well, where I grew up in Missouri, there's like a bunch of caves, but a lot of times like they're huge on the inside. Oh, and spelunkles. Spelunkles. <laughs> there's, a bunch, there's a bunch of, the, like the entrance, it looks extremely unassuming. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a fairly sheer face of rock. And there's like, you know, like a two to three foot wide entrance. And then once you squeeze your way through there, there's like a whole open thing. So I imagine that the entrance is, is kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but once you squeeze through, instead of there being just like a whole open cave, there's a set of like semi carved stairs going down. Um, and the further you go down, like there are a couple of candles at the top, um, that are in like, that have burned down fairly low. Um, somebody clearly pays attention to them, but like they haven't been replaced in a little while. Um, Iroh gestures at the hole in the ground and says, after you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he like goes down and uh, I guess he's walking down the stairs. Yeah. First. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a pretty it's like- solid, um, it's a pretty solid uh, walk. You walk for mm-hmm. probably like a solid five minutes before you hit um, the 
caves, the the like actual residential area of the caves. There and the further down you go, there are still can- candles occasionally, but the lighting switches to be more of like a um, fluorescent, no phosphorescent is the word that I want. Phosphorescent, like I say, fluorescent lights in fluorescent, the cave. Yeah, <laughs> they're really they're really advanced. Um, like a phosphorescent, um, like moss. Uh, and occasionally, every now and then, there's a candle, like I said, but there are also, like, uh, crystal chunks that are just glowing, apropos of nothing, apropos. Uh, so there's, like, the glowing crystal chunks, phosphorant, phos, phos, phosphorant, <laughs> phosphorant moss. There's glowy green things. Don't use it as floss. and you get down there and then once you like once it sort of levels out it opens up into like a very very large cave uh the caverns have a whole not not a city on the scale of serendipity city but there's like a solid residential district in the caverns um there are shops down there there's like a nearby um basketball court door sort of thing where like small dwarven children are playing some kind of ball game dwarf ball very popular (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so like that's that's where you're at. You're in the middle of this like sort of open area. Have you? Do you think you guys have ever been down in the caves before? I don't think so. No. Okay. Cool. So this is all new for you. Yes. Right. What do you do? Which way are you going? So wait. Uh, quick question: Is it like all dwarves down there, or are there other beings? For the most part, it's like. Okay. Is it tall enough for us to stand? Oh Straight. yeah. So okay. the caves. I'm imagining the the caves are like huge, and they're partially so they're partially natural, partially magical. Because I don't think like I I know that there are caves of this size, but I don't think caves of this height. Rather. It sounds like okay. we're in like a stadium sized room. Yeah, and like, like a I think like Astrodome or something. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So you're just in like this huge open area. What so are you gonna do? Is there anything uh, nearby that? Um, so we've we've learned that the. Um, Silver Oak folks uh, seem to have some sort of quasi-religious uh, affiliation to them. Is there anything within Eyeshot that looks anything like a shrine or a temple or any kind of like a uh, dedicated area that uh, might might synchronize with what they're doing? Or for that matter, anywhere that's just like out- outlandishly purple. <laughs> You, so never like know. Building, you never know. It's just painted purple. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Um, no, so there's nothing, there's no obvious shrines. Also, I don't think I answered the question about the dwarves. Um, the, so the, the population is mostly dwarves. It's almost like reversed of what you saw in the anarchist bar where it was like 75% humans, 25% magical types. There are people down here, like you'll see, it's not unusual. Um, I mean, I guess you wouldn't really have any context, but like, it's not super unusual to see like someone who is not a dwarf down here, but it's probably like 75 to 90% dwarves. And it's humans come down here sometimes um always magical humans um but or i guess almost always a non-magical human would like stick out like a sore thumb so iroh's gonna have a good time uh again he's not usually welcome (laughs) but but most of the people are like either dwarves or some other kind of non-human person wandering around here um but no so there's no there's not really a whole lot of signage. Um, there's some signage, but it's not written in a language that you understand. And there's nothing immediately visible that looks like, uh, that looks like a shrine or like temple or anything like that. Hmm. Um, it, are there any like, just like locals hanging around that we could talk to? There's the children that I mentioned, but there's also, how about some adults? <laughs> how about some adults? <laughs> um, yeah, there's probably like, I mean, if you wander closer to the residential area, you'll see somebody around or there's probably like, I imagine there's probably one or two parents like watching some of the kids mm-hmm. that are playing. 
on the like soccer basketball dwarf ball field well maybe i should talk to the kids they might be easier for me to communicate with (laughs) (laughs) there's also there's also a role called investigate a place of power which i think could work here um which would be rolling with the faction that owns it so that would be rolling plus like 2d6 plus wild so the the gameplay says on a hit you see below the surface to see the reality underneath and on a 10 plus you can ask the mc one question about the schemes and politics of the faction in question we might want to modify that a little bit if you're trying to find someone i have good wild you have good wild yeah so you could um you could roll for that or yeah i think that's probably i think you would be rolling for that or you could be talking to the um you could be talking to you could find someone to talk to and then that would probably either be a mind or a heart roll depending on how you approached the conversation with the stranger well i'm a lot less good with those <laughs> so i guess okay let's roll for the wild one all right cool so is this uh, does this just look like you sort of examining your surroundings yeah, is there like, like looking around trying to find some information okay well, it sounds like this is, like, deliberately almost doing magical investigation of some kind. Yeah. So you're almost, like, using your senses okay. and, like, understanding about... My demon senses. Yeah. But, like, sort of looking for, like, telltale signs of, like, magic in the area mm. to, like, suss out where something like this might be located. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nine. Nine. Okay, cool. Um, what you see is, like, so you're observing this. I imagine, like, what I imagine this being, like, per what Brendan said, is that maybe there's some kind of like a light meditative state or something that you can slip into. Um, there's, there's actually a word for this, that, but I forget, um, which is like basically when you let your eyes go unfocused and like, you're still, you're not in a full meditative thing or like a actual trance or anything like that, but you're kind of like letting your eyes go unfocused and letting your mind do what it will. And I imagine that that's probably what it looks like is that like Fox is just looking around and kind of like gets a vaguely blank look in his eyes as he's examining this and sort of trying to feel out any vibes um, as you like do this and you look around the room, you see something that like was not visible to your normal eyes. Like, um, Iroh would probably not be able to see it. Like it's away from the rest of the dwarven homes. There's like a marking on the ground that is sort of like an iridescent, um, violet marking that's like pointing the other way, uh, towards like this tiny, um, this like tiny cave passageway to the, that does not look like it goes anywhere. Like if you hadn't been, if you hadn't seen this arrow and noticed it, um, it would probably just look like more of the wall to you. Like it doesn't, it doesn't actually look like it goes anywhere. Uh, so Fox is like that way and starts walking there. <laughs> Ira starts and follows along. Ira's over here taking notes on. So these are the rules of this game. I, I think Ira is savvy enough not to be watching the dwarven children <laughs> as like some trench coated stranger that just arrived from the upper world. Uh, that's that's probably true. There are seven children present. Oh man, um, the tall one is not good at the game. <laughs> you walk towards it and you squeeze through this it's definitely it's a tighter it's sort of a similar style entryway as above where like if you don't um (laughs) it's sort of it's sort of a similar style entryway as above where if you don't if you don't know that it's an entrance it doesn't look like an entrance like i said but it's like smaller it's one of the like it's not like it's not one of those like big cave entrances that looks like a doorway or something like it's this little tiny slit in the wall and you are gonna have to like squeeze through it it's probably going to be like it's probably going to be tight for both of you probably slightly tighter for iroh since he's like a burlier dude yep and once you're getting the hang of this i am (laughs) 
<laughs> See? It's much easier now. Mud, mud's not all bad once you get used to it. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I like getting dirty. <laughs> all right, all right. We've made some progress. <laughs> um, like... <laughs> so, once you squeeze through, it's like it's... It's a passageway, but it's, like, not um, as narrow. Like, it opens out a little bit. But it's one of those cave passageways where, like, um, the ceiling is definitely lower than it is. Like, it's... If either of you are prone to claustrophobia, it's probably not bad enough to cause, like, a full-on panic attack. But it's, like, uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You're distinctly aware of how little space there is. Um, You have, like, maybe maybe six inches on either side of your shoulders and then like maybe six to 12 inches above your head. There's not like a lot of room, um, not a lot of wiggle room. So you walk that way. Um, it's darker than the main area. It's lit. Um, it's lit with more of like the, the phosphorant mossy stuff. Um, and eventually like it it takes a while. So it's like almost as long of a walk as it was down the stairs in the first place. Um, I don't know if at any point you start to wonder if you're going the wrong way, but it's like, it's definitely long enough to make you wonder that. Uh, there's a chance I made a mistake. (laughs) Uh, Just keep going. I'm I'm sure, I'm sure your senses are telling you true. I, I, I believe in you. Thank you. You're welcome. Aww. Thanks, Dad. That's <laughs> uh, that's not that's not. <laughs> so, so eventually, at some point, probably like two minutes after that conversation, um, it opens out a little bit, and it's a it's a pretty good sized cavern, but it's like not it's not stadium sized. Um, it's like maybe maybe like high school football field sized. There's a series of buildings that are like. A couple steps up from tents. They're not like so the 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 homes that are in the main area, the Dwarven homes, are like constructed out of stone. Some of them um look like they grew up out of the floor, um, probably some kind of magical thing or whatever. So like the Dwarven homes are constructed out of stone and have like a very there's a particular style that I'm trying to think of that's like these Norwegian like gnome house illustrations and like fairy tale books. And I don't know if there's a name for this, but like something like that, where like, like huts or something. Yeah, like stone that. huts. Like, yeah. but they look like they look like oozy, like stalactites and stalagmites. Like, they so they're like, like almost like organically grown from out of it. Yeah, okay. but they're but they're very clearly like sturdily constructed. Okay. Um, the homes or buildings rather that are in here are not really sturdily constructed. Um, but they're also like they're not quite tense. Like they're clearly livable. They're just like you know almost like um, like Hoovervilles or something, where like it's kind of like ramshackle, like stuff like maybe some like metal sheeting plates put together and off on like so that's like one side of the room has several of those buildings. Um, the other side of the room has like a small spring that is surrounded by like amethyst, which are purple, um, like slightly glowing amethyst. There are some people that are like at the spring looking like they're probably praying or something. There are a couple of people walking around. You probably get a few odd looks, but I don't imagine that you get any like outright hostility right away. Um, there, So this place is like populated, but it's like not a ton of people. Well, I feel like the purple and the praying is the direction we should go in. Keep our wits about us. <laughs> Iro will approach the spring quietly, try not to draw too much attention to himself. So you walk up slowly, trying to be respectful, I imagine? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You walk up, and there's like probably 
I don't know, let's say there's three people there. As you're walking up, one of them, like, stands up and um, turns around and is, like, walking and, like, sees you and stops. Do you guys say anything or do you wait for them to say something? I'll I'll stop, but I'll just uh, wait for them to say something. I feel like it's best for me not to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Probably smart. Um, so they stop and they look at both of you and they um, they don't look angry, but they look extremely wary. And they say, are you guys looking for someone? Iroh's, like, hands, like, down and spread to show that he's not, like, packing or anything. Like, I mean, he is packing. But <laughs> <laughs> he's non hostile But he lives in Serendipity City. He better be packing. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's obviously, it's not like we're visiting the Citizen's Report or something like that. Um, so, you know, <laughs> trying very clearly to communicate that he is not an enemy in the situation and being like, uh, we're really, real sorry to, you know, interrupt. Or we're, we're, we're trying to get a hold of Zephyr. Do you know Zephyr? They stop and this look of, um, oh, this character's pronouns are they them, by the way, uh, just so that it's not confusing later. Um, so they stop and like this look of like, there's like three distinct emotions that cross over their face. Um, there's like recognition. There's sort of an, oh shit. And then there's like, um, oh, we need to do something. So they like <laughs> walk towards you and they grab like your hands, like each, they grab like um, mm-hmm. one arm, each hand. Yeah. I think sure. that makes sense. And are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Come with me. And they steer you towards one of the buildings and kind of like duck inside. And on the inside, it's actually, it's nicer than you would expect. Um, hmm. I'm kind of picturing almost like an effect, like a, y'all watch Harry Potter, you know, Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. So like how the, um, at the, um, Quidditch world cup, there's like the tents and they just look like normal tents on the outside. And then on the inside, they're much nicer. It's not quite that degree of discrepancy. Like it's not, you don't walk in and it's like a three story home or anything like that, but you walk. Um, so I have seen Harry Potter, but nowadays, whenever anyone says Harry Potter, I immediately think of the tweet where JK Rowling wakes up and is like, throws a dart at the wall. Hagrid is pansexual <laughs> and eventually joined ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so you walk inside, um, it's, like, much nicer than it looks on the outside. Again, not, like, quite the same discrepancy, but it's, like, you know, a nice, like, it's the equivalent of, like, a nice cottage or something. So are they being, like, kind of rough with us, or, like... No, it's more, it's not, like, they're not being openly aggressive. It's, mm-hmm. like, oh, we need to, like, I don't want to be seen with you. Like, we mm-hmm. this we need to be talking in private kind of thing. Not an I don't want to be seen with you, like, they're ashamed or something, <laughs> but more, like, this is a conversation that needs to happen in private. We gotta, like... So they turn around... And they are like, I'm sorry, I didn't, um, oh yeah, so they, like, you know, they're, I don't know if they were, I don't know if this, I haven't decided if they have, like, specific spiritual, like, robes or something, this group, um, but they're wearing, you know, I they have, like, they would be purple. Yes, right? <laughs> so, um, Zephyr has purple eyes, um, like, sort of a shock of white hair, um, brown skin, and is, like, medium height, probably, like, I don't know, 5'8"-ish. 510 somewhere in there not like not super skinny but also like not super muscular like sort of like one of those body types where it's like oh they probably have some like muscle going on under there but they all, they don't have a low enough body fat percentage to like show off all the muscle right so and they're just wearing like a tunic and trousers and probably had like some kind of i don't know hood on or something which they take off and they're like i'm sorry um i'm not trying to be rude and I just, I, I didn't know what else to do, but we probably need to have this conversation in private. Oh, by the way, I'm Zephyr. Hi, Zephyr. Hi. Uh, At our bar this morning? Yeah, so about that. I didn't know. I've heard, 
I've heard about the people that work at that bar. We've all kind of heard marrying things about you. Mm, And you seemed like people who might... (sighs) who might want to know what's going on. Zephyr is also very clearly stressed out. Um, and um, they say, yeah, I didn't, um, you seem like the kind of people who might um, want to know things. And based on what I've heard, you might be able to do things when you know things. And I just thought that maybe having some information might be good. Well, tell us what you know. So, so at this point they're like pacing like not quite walking circles around you but like pacing back and forth very nervously um and they say so how much they stop for a second and um say so how much how much do you know about fey politics i've heard uh some take the short view and some take the long and uh most don't like my my sort meddling (laughs) that's about it box very little. All right. So what I said and very little. <laughs> that's that's what you're working with here. Okay, so not a lot. So the thing is, I'm sure you've noticed, there are a lot of people that go missing in Serendipity City. And it's getting to the point where we wondered if someone was overstepping. We've heard, we've heard tell of the things going on, not just with the Fae, but with a couple of other groups. And we thought it would be worth investigating. So I started investigating, and I don't entirely know what's going on, but I know that our standards are different than yours. But even by our standards, some of the stuff that's going on is not above board. And I don't I don't know what to do with that information. We didn't have any plans as to what to do with that information. And at this point, I'm pretty sure that just me knowing this information makes things dangerous enough that I don't even like I don't I don't know if I can stay here. I don't know what to do. Um, just calm, calm down, calm down. Clar- clarify for me. Are you saying that some light kidnapping is acceptable behavior, but there is too much kidnapping going on? <laughs> They like they stop and they look at you and they're like, "Does this? Does I mean? Do we want to have a conversation about um, uh, overlapping human fame morality at this specific moment?" No, I'm actually just asking for clarification. Okay, we just wanted to make sure where you were coming from. Right. So we're not. I mean, my group doesn't do any of that, but in general, by face standards, it's not super unusual for someone to like take the occasional human or have the occasional human wander into their midst and keep them around as an entertaining person or whatever until they get bored or sometimes glamour a human all of that stuff happens that's considered normal then i would like to be very clear that i am not in any way an entertaining person (laughs) they stop and they go yeah i've i've heard that actually excuse me (laughs) and they go no 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 i mean i mean you, I've, so we talk to, we aren't, I, we talked to some of the, the demons and we had heard that like the people who work with the demons are strictly off limits, um, which is another it's thing that's know. potentially going on here. Yeah. So you're cool. I mean, I don't know if you're cool, but you're no, probably totally, not I'm, at risk. I'm totally cool. Yeah. I think that's like about this point where they like sort of peter themselves out and they're just like, yeah, so uh, all I know is something's I, I I know that something's going on and I don't know I don't know what but I know that it's bad even by our standards and I managed to track some of it back to and they like turn around and um, sort of like ruffle rifle through um, 
you know, like a, a desk in the corner or something, find some paper and they write down an address and they're like, I managed to track it back to here. And, but I can't, I can't follow it anymore. I don't know. I don't know what else to do. And I had heard that your group did things like this sometimes. So I left a, I've never kidnapped anyone. Not kidnapping. I mean, neither have I. <laughs> no, not the kidnapping. The um, the other stuff, the fixing problems stuff. So I thought that maybe y'all might be able to fix the problem or know somebody who could fix the problem. I might not have thought this all the way through. I just panicked a little bit. I'm getting that. <laughs> Listen, it was a good impulse, and I appreciate you uh, reaching out. You're lucky you got uh, us and not uh, Charlie. <laughs> but um, I reach for the piece of paper with the address on it. Oh yeah, they like yeah. totally just hand it right over. Um, I guess we got ourselves a job to do. Yeah, I can't pay you, just so we're clear. No, oh. well, never mind. <laughs> I was definitely not getting the sense of any kind of payment. This definitely seems like a Samaritan type situation here. But, yeah, um, something like that. Sure. Listen, um, next time, uh, why don't you just come talk to me? Don't don't be leaving notes, scaring. scaring <laughs> yeah, I mean, the why Lord you gotta us. be so creepy and mysterious about it? Because I didn't know if if people saw me talking to you guys, that might be a whole bad thing. I'm trying to watch out for myself here. You don't understand. Like I don't, I don't know all that's going on. What I understand is that your culture is res- much respect that I have for it. Has absolutely no problem luring folks away from their own families. And you have, in effect, lured two humans into your midst down here. Mm-hmm. But not for that. No. <laughs> but it does look like the other thing. So right. next time, just come talk to me, all right? Yeah, well, hopefully there won't be a next time, but I'll keep that in mind. All right. Yeah, so they, and they, like, turn around and are packing, like, a backpack. They are, again, slightly panicked. Yeah, so I guess that, like, it's some like... Do you guys just leave after that? Is that the end of the conversation? Or do you feel like there's any... Okay. Do you have any more questions? Leave. Do you have any questions? I, I, I kind of want to get out of here. Yeah, me too. I think that sounds like a great idea. All right. All right. Hey, is there a faster way to get back up to the surface other than that uh, tight little business from the uh, dwarf ball yes. court? <laughs> <laughs> no? Sorry. Mm. We got to we gotta make it... Uh, we, we try to be harder to find. Yeah, I'm getting that. All right. Box, you got any more questions from? Nah. All right. We're going to, uh, yeah, we'll see you around. Come on. Good luck. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I, I wrote Hall's ass out of here. He is not, he's not down with this. Yeah. Fox does like one of those awkward half waves. <laughs> yeah, they've already um, turned around and are back to like packing a backpack. Yeah. Yeah, so you guys uh, hightail it back down the super cramped hallway, <clears throat> get back up the stairs uh, without any without any issues. The Dwarven children are probably play, playing a slightly different game now. And uh, make it back to the Dwarf car. Too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and when they get to the car, uh, Fox has to take off most of his clothing because he doesn't want to get the inside of the car dirty. <laughs> <laughs> so they they ride back. I guess they're going back to the, the speakeasy with uh, Fox in his underwear. Yeah. I'm, I just have this picture of like Fox in like dress socks and like sock garters yeah. and like boxers and like an undershirt yes. driving this extremely nice car <laughs> <laughs> and Iroh is just staring out the window 
Uh, and do you, do you, I'm imagining like, do you have like a plastic bag or something to like wrap your clothes in yeah. so that they don't get anything on the trunk? Yeah. It's all nice too. Yeah. Like nice. This is probably formal. the most pristine trunk anyone's ever yeah. seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're like getting looks from people when they stop at a, a stop sign. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, probably not that many looks because of the part of town you're in, but True. you definitely get a few askance looks. Um, <clears throat> and then do you. Park Usually the-, the escort isn't driving. <laughs> <laughs> like you park in the alleyway or do you park on the street and go through the... the- oh, uh, we park on the street. Okay. So you walk into the front of the speakeasy um, in your underwear. Yep. Uh, Dolores... I, I, I have to assume we've done worse. Yeah, yeah probably. That's, yeah, that's there fair. should be no questions asked there. Yeah, so Dolores is going to, like, look up and do, like, not quite a double take, but sort of a head cock and then, like, a half shrug and a whatever and go back to doing... At this point, it's probably, like, I'm gonna say six or seven, so... Which works out great, because you missed the other crew and all of their shenanigans earlier in the day, I believe. Dolores, I'm happy to report you do not have a stalker and will not have to worry about such notes being left on your door in the future. Cool. Thanks. You bet. (laughs) Dolores was probably not super worried. Uh, She can take care of herself. Well, we didn't have to do any of that then. (laughs) Right. So I'm assuming what's the, let's um, give us like, give me like what the rest of your evening looks like. And then we'll cut. If folks are getting um, abducted with, and this address has something to do with it, then I want to investigate. So I'm thinking we take an hour or so to, Re re equip ourselves. I mean, need more than an hour, but yes. Okay, <laughs> but certainly before the night is done, we're gonna All get right. refreshed and then hit the streets again to head to this destination. All right. Do you change into another set of nice clothes, Fox? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I've got them like hidden around places. There's always. <laughs> well, you, you, have, like, a, you have <laughs> true, yeah. true. dead drops but... of nice clothes <laughs> in your own speakeasy. Yeah. <laughs> It's like under like the the padding for certain booze and stuff like that. There's like a removable tile in the bathroom. Oh, I need a There's fresh cummerbund. Under- <laughs> There's one underneath the bar. Oh, That's amazing! Very good. That's very. I love it. Okay, perfect. So yeah, we're going to fade to black as Fox just like wanders off somewhere to pull out like a dead drop bag of his own clothes and his own speakeasy and then go change. And Iroh, I'm assuming, like sits at the bar and gets some kind of non-alcoholic beverage. Iroh, I think, is really kind of grim at this point, having like thought a little bit more about the attitude that the Fae have towards basically human life. And um, as sort of his token sort of gesture for uh, beginning less of an investigation, more of a hunt proper, he gets out his big floppy hat. Oh, nice. Cool. All right. So, yeah, we fade out as Iroh puts on a big floppy hat. And in the background, we can see Fox like... (laughs) <laughs> like lifting up a, a cushion in a booth. Iroh looks very serious and Fox is like, ah, this isn't the tie that I wanted. <laughs> we fade to black. Thanks for listening to Serendipity City. Our players today were Orion and Brendan. You can find out more about them at our site, serendipitypod.com, which has a shiny new cast and crew page, as well as a new character page with art and bios. Our audio editor is Brendan Hutchins, and you can keep up with him at podcastadvocate.network. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Tumblr at the links in the description. 
If you want sneak peeks, behind-the-scenes content, NPCs named after you, or other bonus stuff, make sure to check out the Patreon. The link is in the description and also on our site. Many thanks to patrons like Melody Burton for making it possible for me to spend more time on this. We're playing a combination of The Sprawl by Hamish Cameron and Urban Shadows by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz Truman, with a few things added in here and there from Dungeon World by Sagel Tora and Adam Koble to fill in any gaps. All of these are hacks of Apocalypse World. Sound effects and music were a combination of public domain and free to use and battle bards with a full track list in the episode description. Our next episode will go up on April 10th. If you're enjoying the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or telling a friend about us. That's the only way we find new listeners. Thanks again for listening and have a great day. 